Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Maria Altman. Today we take a look at the latest news surrounding abortion access in Missouri. Joining me in the studio to talk about it are Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio's health reporter, and Jason Rosenbaum, our political reporter. Thanks so much for joining us. Hello. Thank you. Well, Sarah, there was a lot of uncertainty late last week uh, about the Planned Parenthood St. Louis Abortion Clinic, the only clinic in the state that provides abortion, and and what was going to happen if it was going to be able to continue providing access. What exactly happened on Friday? So what happened on Friday was the Administrative Hearing Commission gave permission to Planned Parenthood in the Central West End, that clinic you mentioned, to continue providing abortions until the commission can take up the case in August. So um, if they had not granted that permission, uh, the Planned Parenthood clinic wouldn't have been able to provide abortions throughout the month of July because the preliminary injunction keeping the license in place ran out Friday at 5. And so the AHC, the Administrative Hearing Commission, they had asked the AHC to to keep the license in place just until the matter could be heard. And um, the Administrative Hearing Commission said, yeah, you can stay open until we decide. Let's talk a little bit about what the Administrative Hearing Commission actually is. Sure. Yeah, I had no idea until I did the I had never heard of it. I mean, Jason might have heard of it because he covers government. But this was the first time I had I had I had known about it. It's basically a quasi judicial uh, tribunal. It's basically like a court that isn't a court. Um, And so it's made up of five people. One of those seats is vacant right now. So there's four commissioners and each commissioner hears individual cases um, in which uh, private citizens and businesses um, have disagreements with the government. And so basically it's with kind the of state, a state state with the state de- state departments. Basically, it's a lot of regulatory um, licensing procedure stuff. And they can uh, they can hash it out at the state level without it actually being in the court. And the um, the circuit court knocked it over to the AHC, said this is a regulatory problem. You need to hear that there before we can do anything at the at the the sort of more official Court judicial level. level. Sure. Yeah. Do we have any sense yet of what's going to actually take place at the August 1st hearing? I I don't know. I assume it will be some sort of, of hearing where both sides present their arguments. Um, the, as far as I know, this week, the uh, the lawyers are meeting with the commissioner to um, to for sort of like a scheduling hearing kind of thing. Um, but as far as the August 1st, I've never covered anything, so um, we'll know more as time goes on. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about what the different sides are saying at this point in terms of why the clinic's license was not renewed. Mm-hmm. So Planned Parenthood um, sued the state in May, late May, and this that's what this is what's been going on in the past month or so. Um, they accused the state of not following proper licensing procedures. Um, they said that the the DHSS, the Department of Health and Senior Services, was um, was sort of moving the goalpost when it comes to this license renewal process that clinics have to go through every year. Um, they said that the uh, DHSS wanted to give or wanted to give interviews or wanted to get interviews from people at Planned Parenthood. Um, as part of this license renewal application, they've never wanted to do that before. Um, the doctors who uh, DHS wanted to be interviewed, some of them refused, and the uh, the health department declined to renew the license. And so Planned Parenthood, in response to that, sued the government of Missouri, um, saying 
this isn't about license renewal. This is a political issue that you're trying to tamp down access. And um, the state health department said, no, like we needed those interviews. We have concerns about the safety at the clinic. Um, but the the issue in contention is, were those investigations done in the correct way? Or were was the state department of health overreaching um, for political means. And so that's that's the core of the issue. That's and the Administrative on. Hearing Commission will make a d- decision on, on sort of that nitty-gritty. But, Jason, mm-hmm. I want to turn now to sort of the political side of things. In this last legislative session, Missouri joined several other states with more restrictive laws on abortion. HB 126 would ban abortions after eight weeks, and it doesn't make an exception for rape or incest. Um, that has raised some concerns even among some Republicans. I, I would say so. Um, there have actually been two efforts to try to overturn this law via the referendum process. And one of those efforts was spearheaded by David Humphreys, who's a very conservative businessman out of Joplin. Um, how successful those referendums are going to be is not terribly clear right now because one of the big hurdles for opponents of this to overturn it via the referendum process is they have to gather roughly 100,000 signatures in a really short time frame. What is that time frame? Um, August 28th. Ooh, that so, is short. So by contrast, when uh, the legislature passed Right to Work, which is shorthand proponents use to describe a policy that bars uh, unions and employers from requiring workers to pay dues as a condition of employment, they passed that in February. And that gave unions oodles of time to collect more than enough signatures, especially since this entire situation is in legal limbo because Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft rejected these referendums. I think it's it's a real open question whether the signatures can be uh, gathered for these two things. Well, this is obviously getting national attention because if this license were to go away with Planned Parenthood, Missouri would be the only state in the nation without access to abortion. But again, on the, the political side, Missouri's law would also um, has a provision that would ban abortion if Roe v. Wade were overturned. So it it seems as if this is sort of a march to the Supreme Court. Um, to really challenge that that's that Roe v. Roe v. Wade. Well, that's been the assumption of many abortion rights proponents about why these laws are being passed not only in Missouri but elsewhere. The, if you ask the proponents of HB 126, they actually point to language in the legislation that that kind of anticipates court actions that are detrimental to the bill. So, for example, if the eight week ban was struck down, it would go up to a longer period of time. And up until I don't I don't know have the numbers in front of me, but it's kind of a stair step effect. And in their view, they did that not necessarily to challenge Roe v. Wade, but to make sure that this legislation actually stays intact somehow. We'll have to see if that happens either through the referendum process. And if the referendum process isn't successful, Opponents of this could still go through the initiative petition process. They would have to pose the question differently to the Missouri voters, though. With a referendum, you vote yes to keep a bill and no to strike it down. It's a lot more enticing for people that want to get rid of HB 126 to have the referendum option. Absolutely. Um, 
there seems to be a really widening gap on the abortion issue between states. Uh, you know, Missouri is more restrictive right now. Illinois just passed legislation that that actually is sort of uh, strengthening access to abortion. And, you know, I, I'm interested in your take, either Sarah or Jason, on, on kind of how this is really playing out in the states. Well, I've talked to um, uh, people who run abortion clinics in Illinois, and they're saying that Illinois is becoming somewhat of an island for abortions. When you look all around, you see Kentucky, you see Missouri, you see Indiana, and all of those states are moving toward restricting abortion access through stricter laws that govern clinics. Um, And then Illinois, like you said, is becoming somewhat more liberal when it comes to abortion rights. And so when it comes to uh, disparities within the states, I think it's absolutely happening. I think that means that the the strain on Illinois clinics is going to become much more. Um, I'm sure there's a better way to say that, but I, I think they'll see increasing um, demand for abortions in Illinois as these states become, it becomes harder and harder to get abortions because we're already seeing that in Missouri. Um, uh, like you said, this clinic in the Central West End is the last clinic that provides abortions in Missouri. But we're also very close to Illinois. Um, it's somewhat easier for people who can't get abortions in St. Louis to go over the river to Fairview Heights or Belleville. Um, but for people who are in the middle of the state, like someone in Rolla, someone in Jefferson City, it's still really hard to get an abortion. It's hard to uh, it's hard to travel f- to these different states. And so you're already seeing a desert happening in Missouri, um, and it's just becoming more and more of the travel needed to get an abortion is becoming farther and farther as time goes on. And I was going to make that point because I used to report in Columbia, and Columbia used to have a Planned Parenthood clinic that performed abortions for many years, and now it no longer does that. And the biggest effect or the biggest impact of that was exactly what Sarah just mentioned, people who don't live close to St. Louis, or to some extent Kansas City, because Kansas City is kind of in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. With Kansas. With Kansas. Um, their ability to drive to either one of those places can be really perilous, especially if you have an unwanted pregnancy for whatever reason, and you don't have a car, or you don't have money for a bus ticket, or you can't get off work to do it. So it's that it just showcases the, the consequence of a clinic sh- shutting down and probably why the stakes are so high for the St. Louis clinic uh, remaining open. And that that sort of brings up a a point, Sarah, where Planned Parenthood has kind of talked about this this licensing process uh, being weaponized, if you will, and that it's part of a larger effort to to restrict abortion access in the state. Right. And that's something that DHSS vehemently denies. They say, of course not. This is all about regulatory processes. This is about wanting to know exactly what's happening at that clinic. Um, I know the state health department has mentioned several instances where um, abortions have uh, failed. Um, basically, they don't um, the they they do the procedure and the pregnancy still exists after the procedure. What the doctors at the clinic say when you're doing thousands and thousands of abortions, it's um, likely to happen. Abortions still have a very high like, quote unquote success rate. Um, as a procedure, they're very safe. But when you're doing so many, it's, you know, it's it's just sort of the luck of the draw when that happens. And what they say is when that happens, we take people to the hospital. We do what we're supposed to do. If they need a higher level of care, we transport them to the hospital. That's not 
a that's not a sign that things are going bad. That's a sign that we're keeping our patients safe. They were saying, I, I believe that they were that their uh, sort of failure rate, if you will, was in line with the nationwide, less than one percent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the state health department says we still have concerns about how you're operating the clinic. The fact that these are happening. And we can't renew that license until we know what's going on. And so that's that. what Planned Parenthood is saying is that's what's the, the weaponized regulatory process, is that they're taking this sort of normal situation and making it sound like a very dangerous situation. Um, what the state health department says is absolutely not. Like, this is something that it's our job to investigate. So those are the two sides. Let's talk a little bit more about those interviews that the DHSS wants with the doctors at Planned Parenthood. As I understand it, the doctors don't, they're not full-time Planned Parenthood doctors, and that's where some of the the disagreement emerges? Or? Sure. That was one of the first, uh, the first arguments that we heard in this sort of saga was um, some of them are Planned Parenthood doctors, others are... Um, are sort of their fellows, they're teaching, they're teaching physicians, that kind of thing, because the Planned Parenthood clinic is so close to the Washington University Medical Center, a lot of um, residents and training go through that clinic. Um, what they were saying is these doctors are at the start of their careers. Um, they work there for a matter of days or weeks. They're not permanent physicians there. Um, and so they don't really have any kind of need to be interviewed. Um, and also, if Planned Parenthood wanted to, even if they wanted to, they couldn't let like m- compel them to be interviewed because they're not Planned Parenthood employees. And in court, we heard DHSS say, well, you're not even trying, you know. And so um, it's just a matter of who needs to be interviewed for this licensing process. At this point, it's kind of it's somewhat moot because the Planned Parenthood license has been denied by the State Department of Health. The judge in the circuit court made they basically said, DHSS, you've got to make a decision one way or the other, because that way it can go forward to the Administrative Hearing Commission. Because if you don't make a decision, there's nothing to contest. And so one of the stipulations for the the um, the hearing that happened a, a week ago was that DHSS needed to make a decision. They made a decision, they denied it. And so that way it could go forward to the AHC, who will sort of weigh in on the regulatory aspect of this. One thing that struck me on Friday was that that Planned Parenthood held sort of a celebration, if you will, and and took a moment um, to to say, hey, we've gotten a reprieve at least until August 1st. But that's not a very long reprieve. We're at July 1 now. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, I think for them and I mean, for the reporters covering it as well, it has been a day to day. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Um, And so the fact that there's a whole month where you kind of know that there's a somewhat of breathing space for the physicians at the clinic, they were saying, this is great because we've been scheduling patients for consultations and we don't know what's going to be happening three days from now when the procedure is scheduled. Um, Will we need to move them over to another clinic in Illinois? Will we need to make uh, make plans to for transportation, for, for moving our patients, um, and what's going to happen. And so a month for them is, it's not very long in terms of just like regular chronology, but in terms of what's been happening, it does give them somewhat of a reprieve of just like, we can focus on our patients at this point, and we won't need to be holding our breath constantly, at least not until August 1st, and we'll see what happens then. 
And in talking with Planned Parenthood, have they have they talked at all about what they're hearing from patients and about their level of concern? I think what's happening with patients, from what I've heard, is they've been getting a lot of calls saying, can I still get this procedure in Missouri? Because when you're seeing all of these, uh, this news about, oh, they denied the license and, you know, there, there's a lot of confusion for patients as to, can I still get this procedure? And if I schedule it, will I still be able to get it? Like, um, what's going on? And so, again, it's a lot of... Um, it's a lot of uncertainty, both for the physicians that work there, for the clinic, for the license, but also for patients. Like, do I schedule my, my procedure here? What do I do? And so, um, th- again, that month long until the August 1st, exactly a month from today, that is actually um, somewhat of a, a some breathing space for patients and physicians alike. And one of the things that has also struck me with the Administrative Hearing Commission, there's really one commissioner that's going to be making this decision. I'm not going to attempt to say his name, Sarah, maybe. if It's it's a it's a rather complicated name, and I don't have it in front of me. But I think it's Srinivasa Rao Dandamundi. Is, I, think, I, I don't have it written down in front of me, but I think that... And it, he, al- he also happened to swear Sam Page in his county executive. Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. I didn't know that. But I, well, I saw it with my own eyes. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, he... Was a Nixon appointee, a a Democratic appointee. And and I wonder if that figures at all into this process at all. And and if with one member, you know, there's there's a it's a five member board. There's one member who's not been appointed yet. If this is going to be become more politicized, this particular commission, even. I I don't I don't know about that. Um, I, I think that happens less in Missouri than others. I don't think the obviously I don't think the Administrative Hearing Commission is part of the nonpartisan court plan, but oftentimes like who appoints who to these posts is not as relevant as say when they're elected because the pressures on them electorally I think are mm-hmm. substantially less. Um I it's hard for me to gauge. I know so little about this commission that even it's it's flown under the radar ma- for most of us. <laughs> right. Making any sort of like prognostication based off that, even while I'm mid sentence, is kind of perilous. Well, you know, another thing that I think we should should point out though too is that Missouri, um, this this has laws of, around abortion have really become more restricted over the years. And this is not the first time that this kind of thing has happened. As Jason, as you mentioned, there used to be an abortion clinic in Columbia. Um, we have longer waiting periods in Missouri than even Kansas, something like 72 hours, I think, Sarah. So, you know, they've the, the legislature really has been chipping away at this for some time. Uh, oh, yeah. And I think that they started chipping away even when there was a Democratic majority legislature in the 1980s. Missouri has... Missourians, I I should say, have elected people to the state legislature from both parties over the past few decades who oppose abortion rights. Now it's almost all Republicans, although there were a couple of Democrats that voted for the aforementioned abortion bill. And it gets to the question of, like, will there be political backlash to, to all these things? Perhaps in the greater St. Louis and Kansas City areas in the suburbs where maybe this issue has more resonance. But I think it's an open question whether it's going to cause, like, Republicans to lose a lot of seats if Republican candidates are going up for election in rural and some suburban parts of the state, like St. Charles and Jefferson counties, saying, I'm against abortion rights. I will do whatever it takes to 
make sure abortion is gone from Missouri and they're winning elections with 60 percent of the votes. They're not being very they're not being very subtle about their views. And I, I think that makes it an open question about whether there's going to be wholesale changes to the legislature. There could be instances, but probably not enough to make a huge difference from a policy level. Even if this were to get on the ballot, a referendum vote, go before state, you know, the state, it's difficult to know if, if voters would would support HB 126 or, or reject it. I think I think it depends on the messaging, because, for example, the Humphreys back group has pointed out the lack of exceptions due to rape or incest. I think if you framed the campaign that this bill doesn't have those exceptions, we need to like scrap this and start over. And I'm not saying that's what the messaging would be, but I'm just kind of, you know, spitballing here. That could be attractive to even people who are opposed to abortion rights, because for a long time, even uh, prominent Republicans, and I include like the current president of the United States, Donald Trump, and former presidents of the United States, George W. Bush, have opposed abortion rights with exception for rape, incest, and life of the mother. So painting that bill in contrast to something like that could potentially be um, an effective way to repeal HB 126, but we'll have to see if that makes it to the ballot. Is there any sense of why the sponsors did not include that exception? If you talk with some of the Republican sponsors, and I'm paraphrasing what they're saying, they say that uh, you don't get the death penalty in Missouri for for rape if you rape somebody. Therefore, why should you give the death penalty to the child? So I'm not making a value judgment on that. I'm just kind of repeating That's what, the what they say. And I think that just for some people, with the exception of like a medical emergency or life of the mother, there just is no moral reason to have – an abortion, even if it ha- even if the pregnancy comes from a, a very horrible circumstance like rape or incest, uh, I'm not, I'm, I don't think every every Republican agrees with that. Obviously, like at least one Shemed Dogan voted against the bill because of the lack of exceptions for rape or incest. But I'm just kind of conveying what what people have told me. Yes, and Sarah, obviously, this is a story that has. Um you know, what, what's happening with Planned Parenthood has national implications. Missouri is being watched closely. Um, if the clinic were to close or not close, I shouldn't say, but not allow abortions or abortions couldn't be performed there, it would be the only state where there would not be access to abortion. That's absolutely true. And I think it's interesting to look at it um, in just really briefly in combination with this eight-week ban um, because that gives you even less time to travel, less time to sort of uh, know you're pregnant and decide to have an abortion. And so when you're looking at this eight-week ban as well, uh, they're not necessarily connected l- legally, but when you're looking at how it's going to play out, if this uh, if this clinic closes, it, um, it can combine with that ban to make it even more difficult for people to travel to get an abortion. Well, Sarah Fenton and Jason Rosenbaum, reporters for St. Louis Public Radio, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.